Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Today's business travelers are finding that fitting in a little leisure time keeps them recharged and excited on work trips. I know this because whenever I travel for work, I always try and meet up with a friend to catch up, have a great dinner, or hit a museum wherever I am. So if you're traveling for work, go with the card that puts the travel in business travel, the Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card. If you travel, you know. We've all been there. One confusing email turns into 12 confused replies, and then a meeting to get aligned, and who has time for that? Grammarly is a trusted AI writing partner that saves your company from miscommunication and all the wasted time and money that goes with it. I personally love using Grammarly to help me strike the right tone when I'm sending important emails to my teams and business partners. I was amazed at how seamlessly it works with all the different communication tools I use every day. Grammarly works everywhere you work, integrating seamlessly across 500,000 apps and websites. No cutting, no pasting, no context switching. Personalized, on-brand writing help is built into your docs, messages, emails, everything. So join the 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly to work faster and hit their goals while keeping their data secure. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Hey, everyone. Our team is taking a bit of a break this week. We'll be back shortly with a bunch of new episodes of How I Built This and How I Built This Lab. But in the meantime, we thought we'd bring you this episode about a man who founded a company that is designing and manufacturing a solar-powered car. This episode first ran in August of last year. It's a really fascinating story. So if you missed it, stick around. You're going to want to hear this one for sure. And on with the show. Hello and welcome to How I Built This Lab. I'm Guy Raz. So when it comes to cars, the internal combustion engine is probably going to go away over the next 50 years. Every year, electric cars are getting better and going farther, but you still have to plug them in. So imagine a car that can drive without having to plug it in at all, a car powered by the sun. It's not a new idea, but it's a massively difficult one, in part because you need a lot of energy to power a car. So to solve this problem, a team of engineers in Southern California have designed a solar electric hybrid. It's a car that can travel up to 40 miles simply on sunlight. And the way they've done it is to streamline the design. The car is called the Aptera, and it's already available for pre-order. It has three wheels, two seats, and a massive storage area in the back, enough for skis and a surfboard. Steve Fambro is the co-founder. He's been thinking about how to design cars more efficiently for a long time. He actually started his career back in 2005 as an electrical engineer for a San Diego biotech firm called Illumina. And the idea for Aptera actually came to him while sitting in traffic during his daily commute. I was doing what everybody does in, in San Diego that works 
uh, south. Uh, you know, you're sitting on the highway, a freeway, uh, driving 10 to 15 miles an hour and stop and go traffic. And and I was one of the, I was driving a Ford F one fifty pickup truck. I was mm-hmm. one of those people. I'm like you know. I think it's a best selling car in the U S. It is. It's yeah. it's amazing how that is. You know, but it's yeah. like I used the bed of it twice um, before I sold it. But so I'm thinking to myself. You know, I I was also a student pilot at the time, so I was I had an understanding of aerodynamics, and um, I was just thinking about aerodynamics and planes and looking up at the planes and saying, oh, the planes are flying by. I'm staying still. You know, um, and then look at these vehicles, they're all boxy, even my own, you know, it's just this big, big boxy thing. And so I started doing little things like I would fold my mirrors back, uh, and, or, you know, let down my tailgate and try and see on a long trip if I could get more gas mileage. And, Hmm. and then, you know, I just did some reading and I said, wait a minute, these cars, like they're. 60% 60% of the energy is just pushing the air out of the way. And they're, right. They're like boxes or fur pieces of furniture pushing air yeah. out of the way. Yeah. They're, they're not made for aerodynamics. So basically, you were just a commuter driving a Ford F-150, and also you happen to be an, an engineer, and you were just asking yourself, why are cars designed in such a way as to just, you know increase the drag because essentially it means that look like a Ford F one hundred and fifty probably gets like seventeen twenty miles per gallon, if that. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's better now. Yeah, I, I, at the time, I think it was around fourteen miles per gallon, and I could wow. I could squeeze out seventeen, you know, if I did all these tips and tricks. Yeah, but um, you know, you could see once you ask a question and see it in the following perspective of basically a continuous lineage from sort of Roman carts to horse and carriages to modern cars, you can see that, yeah, four corners, you know, a a wheel under each corner and just various manifestations of that. And so it's understandable how none of that would really change. It would just kind of slightly evolve. And um, I thought what was needed to be the most efficient was a rethink of the platform to have the least weight and the least aerodynamic drag possible. And and just to be clear, you you were just doing this as a tinkerer. This was, I mean, you had a full time job at a biotech company, but but you started to just like draw designs on paper for fun. Yes, you know, I was uh, my wife and I at the time uh, we didn't have any children, and so this meant that you know Saturday mornings I could lay out my drawings on the living room floor. I could drink coffee all day. I could work in the garage, you know, without distraction. And it was just a hobby. And at some point, I thought, you know, I'm probably not the only person that wants this. Um, I should I should think about how would I make this and sell it? You know, I have to have a business plan. So I, I worked with someone. I've never written a business plan. I was an mm. entrepreneur. And uh, so I kind of started from there. And And so I guess around the same time, you in San Diego, you meet this guy, Chris Anthony. And Chris had a, like a, a small business where he made boats? Yes. He had a company uh, called Epic Boats. And he, he was using these you know computational fluid dynamic tools to make the boat have more drag, as, so to make a bigger wake, uh, so you could have more fun. So he's working on the opposite thing. Yes. He wanted the boat to, be, That's right, <laughs> to have the more drag. You're working on something with less drag. But, but this was for wakeboarding, basically a, a specific type of boat designed to make wakeboarding more fun or more exciting, I guess. Yes. Uh, apparently, it is a thing. I didn't even know it was a thing. You know, I don't, I don't get out much. It's like water skiing on, a, on like, a, like a 
boogie board. It's, I'm wakeboarders going to kill me for saying that, but it's sort of like that. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that. You have this this wake in perpetuity, you know, uh, yeah. that you can sort of surf behind or even uh, do wakeboard tricks and stuff behind. Um, and in Mission Bay here in San Diego, it's uh, it's, a, it's pretty popular. Sport. Yeah, yeah. You hold on to a, a rope or a, a, yeah, like like when you're when you're uh, water skiing. That's right. So he was working on that. So you meet you meet him. He's somebody you feel like I should get to know this guy because he knows how to design. Uh, you know, a boat. So maybe I can talk to him about designing my vehicle, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. You know, we, we both are, um, you know, I had my own shop full of tools, you know, welder and uh, mini lathe. And, you know, I of course make circuits and things like that as well. So I was pretty handy myself. He was also handy uh, with hand tools and he could, you know, Chris is a bit of a polymath, you know, so he has many different talents. He's actually a finance guy by training. But I could see, you know, sort of by inspection, I could see the work that he's done. He's able to uh, make things that he can visualize, which is a really unique trait. And as we are talking about some of these problems and how we might, you know, build the structure, how it might need to be shaped to carry the load, you know, he could easily visualize, whereas maybe I would Mm. need to do more math to convince myself of something. All right, so you start talking to Chris, and and you and what what did you have in mind at that at that time in terms of what you wanted to do? You you knew you wanted a vehicle that was more energy efficient, and were you thinking like a traditional car? Were you what what, what kind of designs were you thinking about? Well, once I you know once I saw what was possible, and we said, well, let's let's ask, uh, let's see what the you know, like in engineering, oftentimes you'll set a term to zero. You won't know the answer, but you'll set a term in an equation to zero or infinity to kind of see what the equation does. And so I, I, you know, just sort of asked myself rhetorically, what is, what is a, what is a drag shape with, you know, a frontal area of X and X is just basically two people sitting side by side, but with, with the coefficient of zero, what does that look like? And what does that shape look like? And once we determined what that was uh, through our research, you know, we we believed that with the diesel engine at the time, we could achieve over 300 miles per gallon. And so we just, we built the company around that and we started fundraising and, and got our first investor. And, um, you know, it was off to the races. So, all right, let, let's kind of, I'm, I'm just curious, I mean, about the decision you made to leave your job and to start a car company, I mean, it was kind of, kind of, uh, let's just be let's be blunt, it's kind of, kind of nuts, right? I mean, <laughs> did you <laughs> when you went to your 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 partner? I think you were married, your wife yeah. at the time. Did you say, "Hey, I want to start a car company"? And I mean, you had a job, and you and this is kind of an ambitious thing. To, I mean, it's not like just starting a you know a farmers market stand. I mean, it requires a lot of capital and a lot of you know, there's a lot, there's a long road to make that work. What, what, what was her reaction? I mean, it's very interesting. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting question and also situation for the reasons you just said. Um, I had every reason to stay there. I, I would, I would have been retired by now from the money I would have made on my stock options uh, had, had I kept them and not liquidated to start Aptera. Uh, my friends at Illumina remind me of that often. Uh, but I, I remember once, once I saw that the only way I could do this was, was full-time, raise money full-time and build the company. And I, I went home and I told my wife, I said, I'm, 
honey, you know, I'm, she was like six months pregnant, by the way, our first child. And wow. I said, I want to quit Illumina and, um, and start a car company. And you know how some, you know, every woman, I think, uh, when they go through pregnancy, they have different experiences. Some have, you know, bouts of sickness or, you know, immense joy. And, uh, my wife was a ladder. She was just whatever hormones were in her body because of that made her extremely happy about everything. And so I remember I told her that I'm, I'm quitting to start a car company. She just kind of smiled and said, okay, hon, that's, that's great. And I was <laughs> like, what? Like, did she even hear what I just said? You know, I don't, maybe she didn't understand. Um, she's also an electrical engineer. And so she had an, an appreciation of, you know, the challenge ahead. So you and Chris decide to start this car company called Aptera, which in, in, uh, it means wingless flight. It's the right in, in Greek. Or I guess more, more simply wingless, like a pterodactyl. If you say Aptera, it's just without wing. Without wings. Okay. And, um, and you set out to design and I, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to describe it, but maybe you can do a better job. Basically a three wheeled vehicle, like two wheels in the front, one in the back. And it's like a, it looks like a, the, the fuselage of a small airplane, right? It's like a, like a motorcycle car hybrid kind of thing. Yes. If you can, you know, since we're on, on, on voice and radio, uh, or audio rather, I'll, I'll describe it. If you can imagine like, a, the shape of a shark, uh, maybe flattened out in the middle, but without the fins and then with two wheels in the front of where the mouth is and, a a wheel in the sort of the back where the tail is. That's that's kind of what Aptera looks like. And there's there's actually a lot of biomimicry there because you know sharks, other other fish that swim near the bottom of the um, of the ocean or a lake, in what they call ground effect, where you're not in the free stream but you're down very low to the surface. Those creatures also camber their back like Aptera is cambered, and uh, and that radically reduces the the uh, the drag coefficient hmm. so it's it's a a fundamental discovery that uh i made early on in the process like this is this is not the free stream that is this doesn't need to be a symmetrical sort of an airfoil or a teardrop this needs to look different uh, because hmm. it isn't what they call ground effect so how did how did you finance building that prototype because you had a prototype within two years. I mean, by 2007, you had the first vehicle. Where, how did you, uh, yeah, how did you finance it? Who, who, who supported you? Well, our first investor was uh, um, a business incubator in Pasadena called Idea Lab, hmm. and uh, they were instrumental in, in getting us off the ground and, and connecting us with uh, with ongoing funding. And we actually had the first prototype. I think within about six months of funding, and it was wow. really just wow. myself, Chris, and a young engineer, and we were working, you know, twenty-hour days. We were doing all the work ourselves, you know, welding, you know, wiring, and everything else. And it was just lots and lots of long hours, um, and uh, you know, that was just the only way to do it. Uh, and then the, the sort of production intent version, the Mark One, we launched. Um, September 27th, I think it was, 2007. And on, on the day that we said we would, we around January or so, we uh, we told you know our board and everyone else this is when we're going to launch it, and it launched, it launched that day. 
We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, more from Steve about Aptera's early rise and fall, and how he and his co-founder are making another run at solar-powered cars today. Stay with us. You're listening to How I Built This Lab. As a business-to-business marketer, your needs are unique. B2B buying cycles are long, and your customers face incredibly complex decisions. Isn't it time you had a marketing platform built specifically for you? LinkedIn Ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers. LinkedIn Ads allow you to build the right relationships, drive results, and reach your customers in a respectful environment. You'll be able to drive results with targeting and measurement tools built specifically for B2B. In technology, LinkedIn generated two to five times higher return on ad spend than other social media platforms. I've talked to hundreds of founders and business leaders every day on this show, and I've learned that LinkedIn has been vital to the growth of their companies. It helps them build relationships with customers and get direct access to thousands of decision makers. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash built this to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash built this. Terms and conditions apply. Audible is the home of storytelling, and it lets you enjoy all of your audio entertainment in one app. You'll always find the best of what you love or something new to discover. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. There are thousands of titles to choose from. Members also get full access to a growing selection of included audiobooks, Audible originals, and podcasts. In fact, you can find How I Built This on Audible. The Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking, doing chores, you decide. I've been really into thrillers and true crime lately, and I've been listening to Behold the Monster, which is so freaking scary that I sometimes have to go into pranayama breathing to control my heart rate. Anyway, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com built or text built to 500-500. That's audible.com slash built or text built to 500-500. You probably know Squarespace is a tool to build custom websites for your business, but it's way more than that. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand, engaging your customers, and growing your business online. If you're running a business like the founders on this show, then you'll love some of Squarespace's features. Squarespace has appointment scheduling where clients can easily see your availability, taking the hassle out of coordinating calendars. Squarespace also makes email campaigns super easy with customizable email templates for converting subscribers into loyal customers. And Squarespace has tons of analytics so you know where all your site visits and sales are coming from. So check out squarespace.com built for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use promo code BUILT to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com BUILT. Welcome back to How I Built This Lab. I'm Guy Raz. My guest is Steve Fambro, founder and CEO of the solar car company Aptera. So it's 2006, way before electric vehicles were mainstream. In fact, there was barely an electric vehicle industry at the time. There were no charging standards, nothing built for the industry. But Steve was certain he was on the right track. We believed that electric was the future. It made all the sense in the world. 
Uh, we don't need to be burning, you know, hydrocarbons, even if they're very efficient. Uh, there's better ways to power a vehicle, and that was with electricity. I mean, you, uh, I mean, essentially, you had this electric vehicle, this prototype, and I think you, you unveiled it to the public at a TED conference in 2007, and that really got people excited. You got a lot of interest, um, and you had a lot of uh, people coming to you to make investments, and, um, and people wanted this car. People were really excited about it. Yeah, that was a really big, uh, that conference was a really pivotal event for us because it, it put us on the map. It, it got a lot of press. Uh, it uh, introduced us to lots of investors and um, we went on to raise probably another $40 million or so uh, at the time before, before we left the company. So, all right, so the, this prototype comes out. And by the way, it looks like what the car looks like today. It looks very similar. But there is a lot that happened between then and now. Um, um, and so let's talk about some of what happened. I mean, there was a a lot of interest. You, I mean, eventually, within a year or so, you had about 4,000 people put down deposits to buy one of these really cool vehicles. Um, two-seaters, but with a lot of trunk space. Um, and meantime, you, I guess you and Chris, your co-founder, decided to find a CEO, like a professional CEO who could really kind of take the company to the next to the next level, but um, for a variety of reasons that would turn out to be maybe not the right decision. Well, you know, it, it was a tough time for any startup at that time. Uh, I, I remember um, uh, a lot of the, the VCs we were talking to, you know, they were at that time, it was an economic downturn. It was gloom and doom. I still remember uh, Bill Gurley, uh, prominent Silicon Valley VC at the time. Invested in Uber and many others, yeah. I remember he had a single slide on a PowerPoint with a, sort of a, a piece of ham where all the ham was gone and a knife you know, on a bone saying, cut to the bone. Uh, that was his advice to all of the startups at the time. And so, you know, we, we recognize that the, uh, the, the, the team, the professional team that we hired, they, um, they were working with the Department of Energy to, to get a loan and to bring in a four-wheel vehicle. And, you know, with the, with the cutting to the bone mentality, you know, we thought maybe the company would be in, mm -hmm. in better hands if we left it to the professionals and we would go off and start, you know, another company. And that's what Chris did. And that's what I did. And, and basically what, what happened, if I'm, I'm just to summarize it, I mean, the company sought out loans from the government, from the Department of Energy, which did give big loans to Tesla and to Fisker and even to Ford. But, but initially, because you had a three-wheeled vehicle, you weren't eligible for one of these, these loans that were designed to help electric car companies uh, get off the ground. And I guess the, the, the team that you sort of hired to run the company decided that maybe they should move towards a four-wheeled -wheel, vehicle, like a, a traditional sedan. Uh, and that's where they kind of shifted all their energy towards. Yes, that's exactly right. And so, you know, they had used a lot of the same uh, concepts and, and uh, ideas to, to design a four-wheel vehicle. And I think that's what they were trying to get through the DOE at the time. So essentially, by 2009, you and Chris were on the way out. You, you, you had started this company in 2005, but about four years later, there's a professional team, many of whom have, had come from the automotive industry, running Aptera. And I guess you felt like 
there wasn't much for you to do at that point in in the company? Yeah, I mean, th- that's basically it. You know, we we wanted to make sure if we're there, you know, getting a salary, uh, that we're adding value and moving, all moving in the same direction. And I think, um, you know, the, the direction that uh, the team and the board wanted to move was the, the four wheel and, um, and the DOE loan. And so we felt that we would probably add more value to something new and something different. Uh, the professional team was in place and, um, you know, sort of left left in charge. All right. So you guys leave. Meantime, Aptera does manage to to secure a loan, a commitment, I should say, but they had to, I guess there was a condition. They had to raise money from the private markets. Um, uh, but for a variety of reasons that fell through. And by 2011, the company you founded, Aptera, it, it, it uh, shut down. It basically liquidated and refunded the depositors money who wanted you know, people who deposited on the cars and then paid investors back what they could pay them back. That's right. I mean, how did you feel? I mean, so this this sort of dream that you guys had, that was it. I mean, were you, how did you feel at that time? You know, uh, at, at the time, I, I tried to channel all of that grief, like in this, in the positive energy. And, you know, so mm. I, the, the day I left Aptera originally, you know, I was maybe two or three weeks before I had, you know, my first signed term sheet for my new company. And I, I just tried to put all of that thought and uh, grief into energy, into momentum, um, into something different. But it, it's you know, it's analogous to the loss of of someone that you you love, and you never really get over it. How, you, in the meantime, you were working on this other company, this vertical farming company that would allow people, I guess, to raise their own vegetables inside their homes or well it was it was more industrial mm. food production but in indoors but it was uh the idea of growing food as densely packed vert in three dimensions as you could and then only expanding it out at the time of harvest so that you could in the smallest amount of space with mm. the least amount of energy and least amount of water uh raise you know the highest amount of biomass per per square per unit area, per unit time. Wow. Meantime, um, Aptera's just done. The The assets were auctioned off. Um, apparently, uh, there was a, a Chinese company that, you know, uh, at some point tried to spin out another, like, independent company called Aptera US that sort of would make a gas version of the car. Never, It never really took off. Um, but it, it's it seems like th- this Chinese company that, that essentially bought the assets never really... F- Filed to 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 take over Aptera's IP. Yeah, they they didn't really do much of anything with it, um, and I, I think even the, the company that um, one of the one of the people that bought the assets of the first auction, they ended up with a bunch of the older vehicles uh, sitting in a warehouse up somewhere in Northern California that we've, you know, Chris and I've tried to locate just for sentimental reasons. You know, we'd love to have them as part of our heritage, just sort of on display or something. Uh, but yeah, they were sort of cast to the four corners of the earth and um, the IP, the products and tools and nothing ever really happened with it. And it just kind of uh, sat as an idea in my mind and Chris's mind um, and, and Jason, a few others, you know, for basically until we were able to bring it back to life. So tell me how that happened. I mean, 2019, you and Chris 
join forces to relaunch Aptera. Like, tell me about the conversations you were having to do that. Because, I mean, you started in 2005. It essentially folds in 2011. And probably most of the investors uh, lost money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me how, well, I mean, how did you guys even start talking? Like, like take me in the conversation. Like, let's let's start this again. Let's, let's go back to this thing. Actually, I, I think it might have started with our lobbyist, Dwayne, Dwayne Gibson, who was in town and just, you know, wanted to reconnect. And just to be clear, you had a lobbyist that you, you hired to work in Washington, D.C. to focus on, subs- like on, on loans and subsidies that the government was offering to electric car makers. Correct. It help us navigate the waters, you know. It's not, it, you, when you're connected with someone like that, it's not just about um, sort of lobbying for loans and programs. It's also... You're making sure you have a seat at the table with uh, yeah. uh, different regulatory bodies or that you have the right uh, legal oversight, you know, protection and certain regulatory affairs. And so we were just sort of kicking around the idea saying, look, you know, that who is it? There's just Tesla, really. You know, there's no one else. And why is that? And 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 everything is just an electrified car. It's not really designed... It doesn't appear to be designed from scratch as an electric vehicle. Right. And... And we, you know, Chris, of course, you know, owning this battery company and us talking about it, the numbers and said, well, you know, with the new technology, we could, how many batteries could we fit in, you know, an Aptera anyway? And so we just started doing some back of the napkin calculations Said, you know, with these new batteries, we could put a hundred kilowatt hours in that vehicle and, and a hundred watt hours per mile, which is what we achieved uh, with the old Aptera, about 95 watt hours per mile, which is extremely efficient. You know, that would be a thousand miles. And so that kind of just, it made our eyes open because we knew from some little bit of research that we had done that range was, wasn't the most, but it was a very important factor in you know, deciding to buy an electric car or which electric car people wanted to buy. And if you could control the range factor, then you could really control a significant part of the market. And that was our, our premise is how do, we, how do we blow up range? How do we own range? And we do that with efficiency, and that was really the genesis of the restart. We're going to take another quick break, but coming up in just a moment, more from Steve about his inspiration to go solar. Stay with us. I'm Guy Raz, and you're listening to How I Built This Lab. On How I Built This, we love to highlight businesses that are doing things a better way. That's why when I found Mint Mobile... I just had to share. Mint Mobile ditched retail stores and those overhead costs and instead sells their phone plans online and passes those savings on to you. Right now, Mint Mobile has wireless plans starting at just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk and text plus data for $15 a month. Before Mint Mobile, I was paying hundreds of dollars a month for my family's cell phone plan. And I still dealt with dropped calls and moody customer service agents. Not anymore with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash built. That's mintmobile.com slash built. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash built. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, it isn't just your business, it's your life. Whatever your business might be, 
You want someone who understands. And that's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners, too, and know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back to How I Built This Lab. I'm Guy Raz, and my guest is Steve Fambro, the founder of Aptera Motors. So basically, you decide, let's make still make it an electric vehicle, but it'll, it'll have solar panels all over it as an additional source of power. Correct. Correct. You plug it in like normal if you want, but most people won't ever have to because here in Southern California, you'll probably get about 11,000 miles a year of free charge. So Just by sitting it, just by leaving it outside, just by leaving it outside. it's just going to get powered by the sun. That's right. And that'll give it about up to 40 miles of range just from solar energy. That's right. And that's because this is a small and efficient vehicle. Like, because I, I mean, I imagine that the technology around solar just isn't quite there yet to power, uh, uh, you know, a, a one-ton vehicle. You're right. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, you're, you're looking at... Um, 25% or so conversion efficiency, you know, once it's all sort of encapsulated in the matrix. And uh, if you try to do this, you know, to any large electric vehicle, it's it's barely going to budge, you know, the needle. So the, the advantage of designing for efficiency and being a brand that's really grounded in efficiency above all else is that these kind of things become possible. Mm. And we can use a smaller battery pack. It's gonna, it's gonna mean less cells and less cost for the battery, and hopefully a lower lower cost to the consumer, more range, less charge time, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's our that's the direction that we push stuff. It's it's to push to more and more efficient using you know less and less energy along the way. You know, how do we keep reducing the amount of energy that the vehicle uses while expanding the amount that we're producing on the solar panels? So let's talk about the car. I mean. Obviously, now it's the the landscape is very different from from two thousand five when you started. Mm-hmm. It's a different environment. You're seeing a lot of you know Model Three Teslas all over the United States now. You're seeing a lot of the Kias, sort of a lower price point. You're seeing, you know, obviously Chevy, and then the Ford F one fifty Lightning is out there. The, you got the Rivians. You've got um, a lot of you know a lot of companies. Hyundai are in in the game now in the electric car game. Um, who is this for? What is, I mean, what, who is this car going to appeal to? It's a different kind of vehicle. It's a two-seater. And it's, uh, so what What part of the market are you targeting? Well, Aptera is a brand and the Aptera is a product are going to appeal to people who want a kind of freedom, a freedom of mobility, a freedom to go and, and to, to move without, being encumbered either by a charge cord or having to pay for electricity, um, you know, that, that freedom from the old way of doing things is really what Aptera is about. There's, there's lots of electric car choices out there and lots of electrified cars, cars that are just steel boxes with electric components shoved in them. That's, those are all great products for different customers and, and they'll sell lots of them, but that's not what we're about. We're about solar mobility. And we're about giving that freedom to people. And the first vehicle that you you see, of course, a two-seater, uh, that's the tip of the sword. But there's 
you know, there's a product portfolio and, and vehicles that are coming behind that that are going to embody the same ethos and, and double down and triple down on efficiency and solar. So, you know, expect to see a family of vehicles from Aptera where this is a first, but all of them are going to have the same promise of the kind of solar freedom and solar mobility. So I think the majority of daily commutes are are under like 40 miles. So in theory, right, if you're just driving a couple miles to the office, maybe the grocery store and home and, you know, like solar power alone could power the car. But what what about parts of the country where it's not as sunny or on days when it's not sunny at all, does the car store the solar power, the, the solar energy? Yes, it'll it'll still charge. It might it might only charge, you know, ten miles worth or twelve miles worth or something like that if it's overcast or in a northern latitude, you know. Uh, and so the way to think about it is, you know, are you are you plugging it in once every six months? Are you plugging it in once every month? You know, that, that's how it's going to impact people. It, it's whether you get 30 miles a day, 40 miles a day, the launch vehicle is going to get around 400 miles range. Um, it's really just going to affect, are you plugging it in monthly or maybe every two weeks or, or something like that? So that, that's how that difference in daily solar charge is going to manifest. Um, you also are, uh, I mean, the, the, the body of the car is is different. It's a, it's a carbon fiber body. And so, um, I mean, it kind of looks like, you know, there, there are these like velo racing bicycles, right? It, it's almost like this aerodynamic, like, um, I mean, teardrop isn't the right description as you, as you said earlier, but it's, it's sort of like that. Um, is that also, I mean, does that also enable it to, does that enable the range? I mean, the, the, the weight of the material, for example? Well, it is a combination of both the, the drag, the low drag, which, you know, the shape, yeah. the, the very curvaceous, you know, shark-like shape, uh, and the lightweight is, both of those are what really enable the efficiency. And the lightweight comes from composites. Now, the challenge with composites and the challenge with how we were doing them before and how, how Chris was doing with his boat company, it's very labor-intensive and it doesn't really scale. And so what we wanted was a process that we could stamp them out like you would stamp out steel pieces uh, and produce them mm -hmm. as fast as you would a steel car. And uh, that's that's what took us to Italy to CPC. Our, our partners have, have devised a, a very high throughput process, uh, which to my knowledge, no one else in the world has this, this capacity and this ability uh, to produce parts every, you know, four to six minutes, uh, just like you were producing a steel part. So it, it's a strong... Uh, composite thermoplastic, but without without any of the hand labor and the waste and the cutting and the materials and all that other stuff. It's just produces a nice part that comes right out of the mold, ready to be vinyl wrapped or um, or just used without having mm. to paint. So it's it's a radically different way of producing the vehicle. There's only six wow. structural pieces, and so being able to to build the vehicle from six pieces is just an order of magnitude simplification of tooling fixtures, etc. So um, the idea is to get these. I know that that you can now order. You can reserve one, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there's, there's, you have, I guess, up to about forty thousand people have reserved one, and the idea is to start delivering them when it's about forty three thousand uh, res mm -hmm. reservations, about one point six billion dollars worth of wow. vehicles. Um, we believe we're pretty confident 
after about nine months of, of closing our Series B funding, somewhere between nine and 12 months, we could deliver the first vehicle. You know, we still have lots of big things to do. We have to go through our airbag certification program. For example, we have to go through the, you know, the ABS, uh, the ABS braking system certification. You know, you, uh, for those that may not know, you know, you can't just order that part and install it on the vehicle. It has to go through the, the manufacturer's own sort of certification process. So there's some things like that that we still have to do. And that's that's why we're fundraising the Series B. And what about the, the, the sort of the safety of the vehicle? I mean, it is, it's, it's an enclosed vehicle, but it is three wheels and it's a two-seater. And, uh, and so, I mean, obviously a motorcycle is not the safest um, <laughs> mode of transportation, but 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 this has airbags, presumably. I mean, mm-hmm. it has all the safety features of a car. Yeah, uh, you think of it just as a, a modern a modern car in terms of safety mm-hmm. features. You know, the rollover, crush strength, airbags, seat belts, uh, interlocks, all that kind of stuff. Same same stuff we have, designed to the same standards. Um, so, not required for a motorcycle, but uh, we're just trying to. Um, adhere to as many of the regular automotive standards uh, that we can as we can, and and the price point starts at about twenty six thousand dollars, I think. Yeah, right? high twenties for the um, uh, for the two hundred fifty mile version, which is a, the smallest battery pack, uh, twenty twenty five kilowatt hour, and um, it goes up to you know around fifty thousand, I think, for the highest configuration, thousand uh, mile range, three wheel drive. So the options are basically battery pack size. And you want two-wheel drive or three-wheel drive. Those are the, the big cost drivers. Um, I mean, what do you like in, in terms of, of solar technology, right? There are some companies, including Fisker, which is, is coming back, right? It was sort of went away for a while and it's coming back. They're also, uh, you know, they're also experimenting or will be experimenting with solar um Hybrid, so I guess you call it a solar hybrid, like solar electric hybrid, maybe. Um, what kinds of leaps in solar technology have to happen for a car to be fully solar uh, solar powered? If the solar is going to be meaningful on the vehicle, if it's going to add a meaningful range, the vehicle is going to have to be aerodynamic, right? It can't just be a boxy, flat-sided vehicle. So if it's going to be aerodynamic, it means you're going to have curves in 3D. So fundamentally, you're going to be making 3D curved panels. So that's number one. How do you bend those cells without cracking or micro-cracking, which will lead to a crack? And how do you do it repeatedly um, and consistently? And then also make that panel very lightweight for an automotive application and then also make it affordable and then also make it able to stand up to hail and rocks. That's what's required to make it practical. And uh, that's what we've been doing for the past two years. So, I mean, uh, looking ahead, five years from now, and there's lots of Apteras driving down the freeway, up and down the freeways, at least in California and maybe beyond, for, from what you know and from your perspective, I mean, are we looking at a a, a future sooner than we may think of, of electric vehicles going 1,000 plus miles on one charge? I definitely think so. I, I think at Aptera is going to show the way because the way technology is right now, it's, there's no other way it's achievable without this extreme obsession with efficiency. There's no other platform out there that can do it. So the, the vehicles, the, the race for the high range, which I think is going to be the new era uh, that you see unfolding 
you know, in EVs, when you look at where the innovations, the innovations are, how do we get more range? I think you're going to see some common trends of aerodynamic shapes, lighter weight materials, and uh, hopefully Aptera can maintain its lead in, in that position. I have to assume you're going to be one of the first owners of, of the Aptera. When will you be driving one around? I drive the prototypes here all the time, but I, I want to drive a production version. Yeah. Uh, so I'll have to fight probably Chris and a couple of other investors for the very first one. Sounds like there's going to be a little bit of a fight. Yeah, I've I've learned not to uh, you know try and arm wrestle him or fight him. I usually end up you know the doctor's office if I do that. So, <laughs> um, by the way, I I noticed that it has rear view mirrors, which presumably affects drag. I think that's a regulatory thing in the right. U.S. Right? Because you can replace rear view mirrors with cameras. Right, but the U.S. Uh, but the regulatory agencies still require a rear view mirror. It's it's vestigial. It's like saying you know you must have a clip for your your whip on your buggy. You know you can't have your whip laying around in the buggy. Like there's no whip, there's no buggy. Yeah. You know we don't need that. Uh, but it is a vestigial requirement. Um, so we have the least amount of size required by law. Got it. And the doors open electronically or what? Because they open like wings. Yeah, there's there's a electric and mechanical release. So there's a uh, the most common way to do it is with a button that's right there on the armrest. But then there's sort of a backup mechanical release underneath it, which many EVs have that that strategy now. And and um, but you can only fit two people. You can't fit more than that. But it has a lot of cargo space. Yeah, thousand liters of cargo space, which is um, like is a comparison. You know, any modern EV that's out there, you, you fold down the back seats and you get a thousand liters of space or mm-hmm. or, or more in the Aptera. Uh, so it, it's, a, I mean, you can put surfboards in it. You can put a ladder in there, tools. You can put, um, you know, if you're like a, uh, a Macedonian army reenactment person, you can put all your spears and stuff in there as well. I mean, it's, it's an amazing amount of space. Hmm. Wow. That's a huge market. Apparently, a lot of Macedonian uh, reenactors out there. So that's a that's a huge huge market. Market. Yeah, we're going to be big in that market. That <laughs> <laughs> Steve Fambro, co-founder and co-CEO of Aptera Motors. Thanks so much for listening to How I Built This Lab. Please make sure to follow the show wherever you listen on any podcast app. Usually there's just a follow button right at the top so you don't miss any new episodes. And it is entirely free. If you want to contact our team, our email address is hibt at id.wondery.com. This episode was produced by Kerry Thompson with editing by John Isabella. Our music was composed by Ramtin Arablui. Our audio engineer was Neil Rausch. Our production team at How I Built This includes Alex Chung, Chris Massini, Elaine Coates, Casey Herman, J.C. Howard, Carla Estevez, Liz Metzger, and Sam Paulson. Neva Grant is our supervising editor. I'm Guy Raz, and you've been listening to How I Built This. If you like How I Built This, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. The global smartwatch industry is worth $45 billion annually. The Apple Watch is the undisputed bestseller, but Apple's dominance wasn't always a given. In the wake of Steve Jobs' death, Samsung was ready to capitalize on the company's uncertain path. 
and beat Apple to market with the first smartwatch. By 2013, Samsung had become an electronics powerhouse, a far cry from its humble origins as a family grocery store. It was ready to take on Silicon Valley's finest. In this face-off, both companies will have to sway consumers while surviving PR disasters as they open the Pandora's box of interactive biometrics. Hi, I'm David Brown, the host of Wondery's show Business Wars. We go deep into some of the biggest corporate rivalries of all time. And in our latest season, we're clocking the fierce battle over wearable technology between Apple and Samsung. Make sure you follow Business Wars wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.